The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools, an investor seeking promising ag tech startups, or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. Special thanks to our title sponsor this season, IGS. Founded in 2013, IGS develops industry 4.0 solutions in the global ag tech and commercial lighting markets. As an industry innovator, they make revolutionary controlled environment growth products. For more information, visit intelligentgrowthsolutions.com. One of the first things that we did as a part of the scaling efforts was we started to listen to our customers and find out, you know, what they needed to be able to be more successful as an overall business, as an overall vertical farm. And we did, we took the company or through a lean product development process and actually developed a hard substrate product that was released last March that was able to answer a lot of the questions and frustrations that indoor growers were experiencing. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ag tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast, welcome back. Episode 13, we are wrapping up season one. Thank you. Welcome to the show, the one where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, we had a great round two conversation with David Farkar of IGS, Intelligent Growth Solutions. We got such good feedback from the first one, and David did not disappoint on his return trip, talking about a lot of the innovative stuff that's happening at IGS. So please make sure if you haven't listened to it, check it out, episode 12. This episode is also brought to you by the Vertical Farming World Congress. This inaugural event will bring together vertical farming operators, investors, retailers, technology suppliers, advisors, and experts to debate and help advance the sector's future. The dates for the conference are September 22nd through the 24th, and it's going to be a virtual event. We're really excited to partner with the conference, and the lineup is a who's who in the vertical farming industry. There'll be speakers there from 80 Acres Farms, Aero Farms, Bowie Farming, Growing Underground, Intelligent Growth Solutions, Jones Food Company, Let Us Grow, Root AI, Square Roots, The Circle, Uns Farms, Vertical Future, Yes Health, Association Heads and Academics and Nutrition Experts from Germany, Japan, the Netherlands and Turkey. It is indeed going to be a global event. Investment Experts from AgFunder and Ashford's and Innovate UK and S2G Ventures. It's clear that the team has pulled out all the stops to make this a landmark event for the vertical farming industry, and we're excited to participate as a partner. 
Attendees will have access to extensive networking opportunities, interactive discussions, instant chat, one-on-one video calls, and you'll also be able to log into the platform days ahead of the event to build your profile, plan your agenda, and begin networking. For more information, head on over to zenithglobal.com forward slash events forward slash VFWC 2020. We'll also have a link to that in the show notes. This episode, I get to speak to Michelle Bonahum, the interim CEO of Hilux. In this conversation with Michelle, she talks about her role at Hilux and the different technologies they're developing for the vertical farming industry, specifically around lighting. We learn how Hilux is working to address their clients' challenges, and Michelle speaks to the product development and the genesis of her own journey and how she developed her passion for helping small businesses. We learn how Hilux operates within the vertical farming and indoor ag tech industry, and we talk about the upcoming Vertical Farming Congress, which is live as of this recording. Remember, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. Let's get into this conversation with Michelle. So Michelle Bonahum, Interim CEO of Hilux, thank you so much for joining us on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Thank you. So Michelle, I was wondering as a bit of background, I think this might be the first time I've had an interim CEO <laughs> on the podcast. So maybe if you can tell a little bit of your journey in terms of like how you started you know, getting into this industry and then how you ended up in this position with Hilux. Yeah, wonderful. I'm newer to the lighting industry and to the vertical farming industry. My career has been coming alongside of businesses and helping them navigate critical transitions, whether that's scaling their business buying and selling, integrating, or transitioning to the next generation of leadership. And I uh, became an investor in this space in about 2014 and was just fascinated with the power of light technology and the power of the application of, of vertical farming. And so when Hilux got to the point about a little over a year ago where they needed to make that transition into scaling, um, I came on as interim CEO. And for those that may not be familiar with what an interim CEO does or the role that they play in terms of like transitioning, a couple of questions that come to mind because I was in um, I was in corporate for over eighteen years. I worked at J.P. Morgan Chase and at E Trade, so it, it was went through a lot of leadership changes there as well. I'm curious what you look at when you decide whether or not you're going to take that type of role. And then what the expectations are company side, and maybe for you as well, like what you expect to happen during that time you're interim and and how long something like that lasts. Yeah. And so, well, with all of my interim CEO roles, it, it involves some sort of transition from either startup or kind of a business that's stalled out to the need to accelerate that growth or scale. And so I I start by looking at what's what's the opportunity in the marketplace and what are some of the strengths of the company and then what can kind of give that a little bit of gas to be able to get it to a place where it's ready to scale. And that being said, what was it about Hilux that attracted you to the company and what did you see in terms of the potential either industry-wise or what they're specifically the technologies that they're working on? And we can go into a little bit of depth, further depth on that as well. Perfect. So Hilux is an LED light manufacturer. It was founded in 2011. And originally, we had a flexible LED solution that was used in architecture and design and indoor lighting. And in 2016, they recognized that the the company was really, really good at knowing the science of light and how to leverage the science of light to be able to solve human problems. 
And so in 2016, saw a an opportunity to be able to use that same light technology that we were using in indoor lighting to be able to apply to plant technology and to be able to accelerate the growth of plants and improve the uh, the quality of plants. And so they started a sister company called Grow Lights in 2016. And we just recently, through a part of our scaling efforts, merged those two companies together into one company called Hilux. And so this audience may know us better for our brand, Grow Film which is the sister brand to our LumaFilm, which is a flexible LED light solution. How would you describe the difference between the LumaFilm and the GrowFilm for folks? How did the technology have to change to accommodate what the needs are specifically for the vertical farming industry? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. That's That's been a big part of my focus at Hilux as a part of the scaling. Uh, originally, our light technology was a flexible substrate light technology. It allowed us to be able to to do lots of flexible applications within lighting. And when we originally went to market on the grow film side, we were using that flexible substrate. But what we found was that that application wasn't working well from a plant optimization perspective. The spectrum is there. We, we really got that right. But we were failing to be able to help from a system integration optimization perspective and an overall business optimization perspective. And so one of the first things that we did as a part of the scaling efforts was we started to listen to our customers and find out you know, what they needed to be able to be more successful as an overall business as an overall vertical farm. And we did, we took the company or through a lean product development process and actually developed a hard substrate product that was released last March that was able to answer a lot of the questions and frustrations that indoor growers were experiencing just in with lighting in general, but also with the flexible product that we we've previously had. So that was a big part of our focus and has helped us to be able to answer some of the problems that growers are asking in in the industry today. So I'm curious what some of those questions were or what some of the challenges were or integration hurdles some of those cl- your clients were expressing that they where they were basically driving the need uh, and driving the the design of what they would like to see and so to the extent that you can, like what were some of the challenges they were facing with the existing solutions? Yeah, so we broke it down into really three categories. What we heard was, you know, there definitely was the solution around how do we optimize the plant and light technology takes, you know, that that plays a big role in how to optimize the plant itself, because anywhere from, you know, the spectrum to the uniformity to the distance to plants, and, you know, just even the photo period and, and the intensity and pulsing of the light. And so yeah. we were able to really listen to their needs and in listen to the individual needs of the customers, because we started out by asking, you know, first of all, what plants are you growing? Because that takes a different type of light recipe. But then, you know, what's the system? Is the system hydroponic? Is it aeroponic? Is it a wall system? Is it soil based? You know, to try to understand those properties. And then we asked around kind of what are their spacing needs? You know, are you growing in a warehouse? Are you trying to grow in a small little container and growing in a, in a greenhouse? And then finally, you know, what type of labor are you planning on using? Are you, are you planning on using human labor or robotics? And so as we started asking those questions and, and looking at how does light affect the answers to those questions, 
we really saw that there were three key areas. And the first was around that plant optimization. But then the second was around, you know, how can we use our light system and integrate it in, in order to optimize the system as a whole? So that's one of the things we heard is, you know, our existing flexible lights, they were, they were difficult to mount and they were, they were difficult to integrate into different types of systems. And because there's so many different types of needs and all kinds of different systems, we needed to come up with a way where our lights could be modular and so that they could easily be scaled, but at the same time customized to those different systems. And then the third category that we, we broke it out into was the business, overall business optimization, because, you know, the light itself, is one thing, but it affects a lot of overall total cost of business for a vertical grower. You know, the, the spectrum itself has impact, but the the amount of power that you need and, you know, the efficacy that you need or the uniformity you need, the amount of heat that goes out, the labor to, to be able to mount those lights, all of those things were factors that we really wanted to make sure that we were helping to educate our customers not to just think about the light as a component, but to think of it as really something that can be integrated into the whole system. And we wanted to become a partner to our customers to help them think about what's the total cost of their operations overall. Did you find because you took the time to answer those questions and spoke to the feedback that you were getting directly from your customers that you know, I would imagine that might deepen the relationship you have with customers and, and they really now see that you are a true partner because you did listen to them. And there's probably something special when they see a product come to the market that speaks exactly to the needs that they were expressing. Yeah, I mean, it was a partnership along the way. And so we, you know, it, we really listened to what were the unique individual problems that we were solving. And we've got a vast group of customer. And then we have a customer that's looking to try to grow lights in a small little shipping container. And we've got a customer that's looking to grow with aquaponics within a big warehouse. We have a customer that's looking to use those same lights to be able to create a solution for a COVID-19 vaccination. And so there's a lot of different applications. And so we wanted to listen and then we would be able to, we would respond to those needs and have them test along the way. And so it took our, our original product development cycle was about a year and a half to two years to release a new product. And we brought that down to five months, which has allowed us to really be able to respond to the growing needs of the industry, especially since it really still is a young industry and, and growers themselves are trying to figure out what they need. Can you talk a little about the lean product development process you you highlighted? Because it's really interesting for me. I'm, I'm a big systems guy. I love, I love like systematizing, like writing standard operating procedures for everything we do as a company. So that aspect, I think, would be helpful for folks that are listening, that are entrepreneurs, that are also figuring out ways to improve like their process. And so it seems like you've got a lot of experience there. So can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like and how you implemented it? Yeah, so we use what's called a lean startup process. It's based around the methodology of lean manufacturing itself, which is about, you know, how do you make sure you eliminate waste? And so the way that gets applied to product development is it says, instead of building it and then hoping they come, you involve the customer along the way. And so it starts very early on to understand the needs of the customers, what they see, the, what they see as changes in the 
in the market and then what it is they really need and then building it in segments to and then allowing them to test it with you. And so it requires, you know, especially in manufacturing, it requires a mindset change because a lot of times in manufacturing, you have to get it 100% right. And in lean uh, startup or lean product development mindset, the, the, the saying is if, if you're proud of what you're releasing, you've waited too long. And so it really is about how do you make sure you stay agile so you can really deliver what the customer needs. Where did you uh, pick up some of these practices, maybe winding the clock back a little bit? When did this become something that was a passion for you? Yeah, well, so I, I started my first business when I was 23. And I thought I understood business and leadership. And I learned really quickly after 18 months when I had 35 employees, that I knew nothing about leadership. And when we sold that business 10 years later, I decided I wanted to come alongside of young entrepreneurs and business owners and, and really help them to not make some of the same mistakes I made, but to provide them with simple processes and tools to be able to accelerate the growth of their business. And so I, I've been consulting with businesses ever since. And then as that happens, a lot of times, you know, new entrepreneurs don't know how to kind of make that transition to the next level or tired business owners may not want to continue to revitalize their business. And so it just opened up an opportunity for us to build a team of C-level professionals that could come in and kind of be a bridge while that company is making that transition. Because a startup company needs to operate very differently than a scalable company. And in an industry like this, that's growing rapidly, you got to be ready for that, that rapid growth. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's some of the the challenges we've had as a company, because the way you get from, you know, zero to 10,000, let's say monthly revenue is different than the 10 to 100,000 in annual, and then the 100 to 300. And then what we're seeing is like the 300 to a million in an age phase. Thankfully, I have a, a good coach that's helping with scaling right now. But I think it's something that you probably see because what got you there uh, won't get you to the next level, you have to change your mindset. And so I'm wondering what is it inherently in you that where this is a passion for you, like to help startups who are going through probably challenges that you went through when you were younger? Well, I'm passionate about change. A lot of people, you know, like 70% of the population is afraid of change. And I love change. So I think, I, you know, I, just just to be able to make change simple for that for for people and, and especially for business owners to help them be able to focus it in on meaningful change, because it's one thing to have a great idea. It's another thing to have a business opportunity and then to be able to deliver that to the market at a time when when it's needed. And, you know, we see this kind of with vertical farming. When we first launched GrowFilm back in 2016, it was really new. And so we needed to kind of be in a different place. Whereas today, you know, especially with with some of the supply chain challenges that we've experienced through COVID, there's a big awareness on this industry. And there's a lot of high tech players. And, you know, I do a lot with mergers and acquisitions and venture capital. And there's a lot of capital resources that are paying attention to this industry. And so to kind of be that young entrepreneur, that farmer that maybe doesn't even know how to apply the technology to things, playing in a space when you've got big tech players as well, it's important to kind of have some simple tools to be able to navigate that, not to have to figure it out on their own. I want my, you know, like in, in the case of vertical farming, I want the growers to be able to grow really well and to be for us to be able to provide that resource along, you know, whether it's from 
plant optimization to system integration to overall business optimization to be able to provide those tools. And so I bring that same kind of heart into into the engagements that I have. What's been the most surprising thing about you coming into the vertical farming industry that may be different than an experience you've had before? Yeah, so I, I've done a lot in manufacturing. I've done a lot in banking. You know, I think I grew up in a rural community, and so I understood farming. I think the biggest thing for me wasn't necessarily around the vertical farming side of things as much as it was the lighting side of things. I mean, the lighting, the lighting industry. Uh, you know, I don't have lighting experience, and when you don't have lighting experience. You know, sometimes you bump up against some challenges because people are like, well, you don't have lighting experience. So how are you can how are you going to be able to take this company to the next level? And I think that it's important to just know that, you know, if you surround yourself with people that do, I surround myself with really great people that can talk a lot about <laughs> the science of lighting and you understand fundamental business principles of how to take a business from startup to scale, you can be successful. Can you talk a little bit about the, the team that was on the ground when you showed up and, and thoughts about, you know, how what that's going to look like maybe a, a year from now as well? Yeah, so we had a we had a really small team had been working very hard for many years to try to get this product released and a new industry. And so, you know, it took some time to get that team to kind of just take a step back and, and be open to some new ways of doing things and to be like I said, to be open to saying we don't have to get it 100% right. Let's take our customers on a journey and let's let's try to get it 80% right. So we didn't really add to our team for the first year of that of that scaling process. We really just said, how do we kind of get back to basics and really listen to the customers and, and apply those needs? Now, as we're at that place and we've released our, our new product and we've got lots of opportunity and we're facing needing to scale very quickly, we're looking at how can we bring on some people that do understand that level of scale, but still have a heart for that entrepreneurial nature. Because you know, we're still an entrepreneurial company at heart. And we want to make sure that we bring in people that aren't just, you know, they're not used to sitting in corporate companies and having lots of tools, lots of resources around them. And so that's really been our, our most recent approach over the last few months is how do we find those people? The other thing is we're looking at how do we really find great partners? And so we're, we're looking to who are the partners from a system integration perspective. So like who are the, you know, the people that are really great at HVAC and really great at control systems and, and CO2 and, and all of those kind of partners that we can align to and listen to what they're challenged with so we can go into it and approach it together because these growers don't want to have to piecemeal it. We really need to, as an industry, figure out how do we come together and provide some sort of a turnkey product or a modular product because it really is very customizable, but to do that in a way that's working together. And so instead of focusing on really growing our team, we're, we've been focusing on how do we bring those other partners? And then they have their own supply chains and, and mar sales and marketing channels and whatnot that we can work together on. And one of the other things we did is on the... Uh, on our LumaFilm side, our indoor lighting application side, we work through sales reps. And those sales reps have started to kind of get opportunities within the indoor growing space. And so we said, how can we teach you that industry? Because we have the expertise around it, but you've got the ability to go out. So instead of us being able to add to our sales team, 
let's leverage what we already have and teach them how to be able to meet the needs within their communities of all of the vertical growing companies that are out there looking to expand. And so we've, we've been looking at, you know, how are ways that we can leverage what we have and then leverage what's really, really great about the other people around us. I think what's so fascinating with the podcast is understanding that people's definition of vertical farming changes depending on who you ask. And sometimes you have to uh, broaden it out to indoor ag tech. And so I'm sure that's a lot of what you're seeing and also applications. So you mentioned new companies expressing an interest in, in grow film. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you've seen that you didn't think maybe fall on, fell under the category of vertical farming. Cause as an example, I've had a couple of interviews, one with uh, Virginia Emery of Beta Hatch, and, and they're, they're growing insects as feed indoors. So, And then um, Andrew Carter of Smallhold, who's focused uh, on mushrooms as well. So I think there's so many different aspects with what falls under vertical farming. And I'm wondering what you've seen that's maybe new or different. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and to your point, I mean, internally, we refer to it as indoor egg tech, because I think it's really important that, you know, vertical farming is one aspect of it. And being a light manufacturer, I mean, we've got, you know, we've got the ability to really apply it to a lot of different applications. And so we've gotten it, we get involved in lots of different things, like I was mentioning earlier, anywhere from, uh, you know, a very highly automated farm that grows in really, really tight shipping containers all the way to a large warehouse that's leveraging light technology and aquaponics and everything else to the, the company that, that, or the grower that's, you know, growing indoor farming, they're growing basil, right? Yeah. But really unique applications, you know, that we've gotten involved in through the same process, you know, like, the, the growing of turf for golf courses or uh, the development of vaccine for COVID. And so, and, and then also getting inquiries around how do you take that same light technology and apply it to animal science. And so wow. we, I mean, for us, it's a matter more of how do we make sure we focus because there are so many different applications and the in, there's infinite possibilities with how you can use light. Right. And so we're, we're really focusing on that, building a system that allows you to to leverage those infinite possibilities with light spectrum, but then marrying it with very modular, standardized kind of systems for that system integration and the overall business optimization. Yeah, that's very exciting. And what's interesting is that the technology itself is continuing to evolve and getting smaller. And so, you know, the, and so the, the applications and the places where you can use some of this stuff, it's, it's almost a matter of keeping up with the technology because not only do you have to implement it in the current solutions for your current partners, but also keeping an eye to what's happening industry-wide, you know, what, what technologies are, are how they're evolving in, in lighting, because you don't want to be early adopter or, or bleeding edge, but you do want to know, you know, should we keep, are there enhancements that are happening that we want to keep an eye on? Cause you know, they could eventually make the product better. So I imagine there's a little bit of that happening at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of having a uh, lean product development process, because even though we just released our, our latest product and we're very proud and excited of it, you know, we're working with some of our existing customers and prospects to, to test out new technologies and ways of using those lights and, and along the way. And so we, we really have built a culture of what if into our business model. And so that, you know, as a, 
indoor grower is is implementing their system, they're saying, what if we pulse the lights or what if we do that? And, and, you know, we're able to come alongside and help some of these growers that don't have the resources to have the R&D centers that some of the larger organizations have. That's interesting, this idea of pulsing and how it could have a different impact on your results and your yield, maybe without giving away any of the uh, um, company secrets, is there anything that the, the general listener that is using lights now for their indoor farm, are there certain techniques or, or things that, you know, 20,000 foot level, obviously, some maybe tips on, on how to make more effective use of their growing environments? Yeah, well, I'm not going to be able to speak to all of the technical aspects of it because that's not really my wheelhouse. I've got great yeah. to do that and great academics that and scientists that could do that. But but essentially, it's really about, you know, looking at we, we look at it from kind of four factors spectrum, first of all. So we do a lot of testing around different spectrums to use those spectrums for various properties of the light, flavor, quality, all of that. We look at uniformity. So how can we get the lights as close as possible to the plant? Can we spread out the lights instead of having, and that's one nice thing about our modular lights is we're able to, we have six inch blades and we have big cartridges. And so you might want a full grow or you, for the purposes of what you not, might you want, you might want to just use a little blade because you get the same uniformity that you need. And, and then we look at distance to plant. And so we've really looked at, you know, what are different ways we can get down to as little as one inch away from the plant so that, you know, the farmer who wants to grow in a small shipping container can maximize their yield and output. And then we look at photo period. And, and that's really looking at, you know, like, what's the right timing for the light when it's being used. And we've been, you know, just testing out different scenarios around being able to turn the lights off and on and which is just all those factors together allow that grower or that company to be able to really customize it to what they want to accomplish overall. Yeah. And I think laying those out specifically, I think will at least get the wheels turning for folks that are thinking about how they can more creatively or efficiently use lighting in their environments. Shifting gears now, we're, I, I noticed that you're also speaking at the Vertical Farming Congress, uh, which is coming up. And we're, we're actually proud to be a media partner with, with the folks there as well. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you're you're planning to talk about, what your topic will be, and anything else you're looking forward to with with the Congress. Yeah, so the topic is called Lighting for Life, but really what it's doing is it's really walking the participants through some of the same things we've talked about. You really, you know, getting the growers to think about lighting from an overall holistic perspective and not to think about it from a component perspective. And so we're really going to be talking about the keys for that right lighting recipe and then how to make sure to, you know, what are the key factors around optimizing the performance of the plant? What are the factors for optimizing your whole system and making sure that those the system components work together and how to leverage the light in that? And then finally wrapping it up around, you know, some of the key drivers of value for the overall business and how your light considerations can play into that. Because if your lights aren't easy to mount, which we found out, it takes a lot of labor. (laughs) And as a farm, you don't want to be spending a lot of labor. And so we've really worked at looking at what are those drivers of value and are going to be talking about that as well. 
So that does lend itself to the question of, we're all thinking about when we're actually going to be able to attend in-person events and, and who knows when that's going to happen because that's something that I do miss, the in-person, the networking, the face-to-face and you know some of those best convers- best meetings as you've probably experienced happen in the hallways actually sometimes or, or at late night catching up with people. So that ties into this question about COVID and the impact. And so I'm wondering if you could just, you know, to the extent that some things jump out at you, like what has been the impact for, for you as a business on either side, either on the consulting side or, or in the work that you're doing with, with Halix as well? Well, I think the benefit from the from my work on the consulting side is we've been a virtual office for almost 15 years and we've come alongside of businesses as they scale. A lot of times they need to go more virtual because they have multiple locations. And so we've built lots of tools and resources and have spent time through COVID helping businesses transition to work from home and create those water cooler environments because they're, you know, you know, we're a lot of our foundation is around brain science. If I have the same con- conditions virtually as I would have at the water cooler, my brain's not going to know the difference if I'm in person or not, right? So so on the consulting side, we built that into the, what we've done at Hilux. And so we've actually been, uh, aside from a little bit of our production staff, we've been 100% virtual from, from since March and actually moved into a new manufacturing facility. And we were able to reduce the footprint of the facility in anticipation for scaling through some of those concepts. I think the other thing that we've seen through COVID is obviously there's, you know, some serious gaps showing up in the uh, food supply chain, which opens up lots of opportunities, um, especially, you know, knowing that, you know, for many years we've been selling into commercial real estate and restaurants are thinking about how do we grow food on our location? Hotels are thinking about it, you know, it's, it goes beyond the farm itself. And so we've been able to kind of focus on some of those applications as well as um, being able to be ready when as the vertical farming industry is getting a lot more notice, you know, from not only capital investment sources, but, but the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think that was some of the common threads that I've heard in recent uh, interviews, this idea of awareness of our proximity to food is top of mind for everyone. And just empowering people with the education, the skills, the resources to and lowering the barrier to entry so that more and more folks can start to enter the space, I think, because I, I think the sooner, while it would be nice to, to feel like we could, all could learn how to go to an actual farm and learn how to farm like our ancestors did, I think this might be the new way, the new hybrid approach where we can actually, you know, learn some of the technologies that are becoming more and more accessible to everyday folks to just and, and learn the, the basics, you know, even to tackle some of the problems of some of these food deserts as well. Yeah, I, my, my 11 year old son is testing out our lights in his workshop room. And, and then he's informing his elementary school on ways that they can grow, grow faster, better, more higher quality food. So I'm, I'm excited to see the awareness that, you know, unfortunately, COVID's an unfortunate event, but I think it's bringing a lot of awareness to us in the industry, or, or to others as to the need to solve some of the gaps in the food supply chain challenges. So I look forward and, I, and just to see more collaboration in the industry is wonderful because I think together we can solve those problems much more quickly and efficiently than if we try to do it individually. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, now I have my entrepreneurial hat back on, when does the role of interim CEO end and, and how do you make a decision like that? And, and when, when is the right time for you to sort of hand over the reins for the folks to, to continue what you've started? Yeah, I mean, so my job is to work my way out of a job, right? And so, you know, I work, we have a really great board that that's very knowledgeable in the industry. And, you know, we set kind of some initial milestones originally that helped us to understand when are we ready to, to kind of bring in that next level CEO. And so we've been, we've been hitting most of those milestones. Now we're in a period of, uh, you know, kind of starting to think about who are the right people that we need as we've been listening along the way. And so it, it's kind of a flexible process until we say, nope, now's the right time. And this is the right person to bring in to be able to get it to the next level. And then we look at, you know, culture factors and customers and all of that too. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's the same thought process that I'm sure a lot of CEOs listening now will have to go through as they figure out as they grow their team as well. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, 5% of all entrepreneurial owners can make that transition to that established organization. And a lot of times that's because they don't want to, they're entrepreneurial for a reason. And in other cases, they don't want to adapt to a different way of doing things. And so, you know, it's important as entrepreneurial business owners to be thinking about that. And when you get to scale, especially in an industry like this, where you can scale very quickly, to be thinking ahead to what your role needs to be so that you can do what you do really well. And then who you want to be partnering up with to, to kind of take it to the next level. So uh, just as we wrap up, I'm curious, what has you excited about the future of vertical farming? Because when I first started getting involved, I, I was excited about the potential and the opportunities, and they seem to be growing exponentially. And so I'm wondering, you know, what, what's top of mind for you when you think about you know, the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I was just uh, reflecting with uh, one of my business mentors the other day and and just saying, you know, this is the one engagement that's going to be hard to say goodbye to because it's so exciting. And I'm so passionate about the impact and just the potential of being able to leverage light technology to solve human problems. And so I, I know that that's my role and, and, but it, I mean, it's going to be hard to say goodbye. So I'm super excited because I'm an investor and will continue to invest in the space. But from, I think from an industry perspective, I think what's got me excited is that, you know, COVID has really shed a light on the food supply chain challenges, which I spend a lot of time in the M&A space and just, with capital providers and, you know, to see them start to see that this is a very real industry and that there's very real potential has me excited because when, you know, I always look to see what is private equity doing, what is venture capital doing, what is investment banking doing, because if what they're looking to is a good indicator of success of companies, you know, private equity companies tend to outperform traditional companies significantly. And so the fact that they're starting to get more interested in the space, the problems that we're solving, the way that we're integrating technology with application, I think is just really, really exciting. I think there's a lot of problems, human problems that can be solved in this space. What's a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently? Yeah, I think the biggest, the toughest question kind of ties to what I just talked about earlier. And I mentioned it earlier in our conversation too. It's what should we focus on, right? Because, you know, there is so many possibilities and we have so many opportunities coming to us. 
all the way from vertical farming to cannabis and animal science and helping to create vaccines for COVID, you know, and so the toughest question is always to say, what do you focus on and what customer segment do you want to serve right now? Because there is so much opportunity. And what decision-making process do you go through when you try to make those calls? Yeah, I mean, so we go through a process where we really look at what's the greatest need and what are our greatest strengths. And and then we prioritize them based on what we can deliver, you know, in the shortest period of time. And sometimes you have to say no to some things, you know, like when we first came out with our Grow Film product, it was early, you know, and... And so that was maybe a little soon. And so there's things like that today too, like on our indoor light side, you know, there's lots of opportunities to start looking at human centric lighting, but it's like, well, now is maybe not the right time for that. And so we just really look at, okay, what's, is this a great idea, but is it also the right market opportunity? And, And is it, are there enough customers that are ready to be able to receive what it is that you have? And, and then we decide from there. Well, you mentioned something that I hadn't heard before, so I'm going to pull that thread, human-centric lighting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so what human-centric lighting is, is, it's really the same light technology that you use with plants, where you take the spectrum to be able to solve different problems, and you apply it to indoor lighting. And so we, we're we in an environment, and we've got the sun and the light, and it affects our health, yeah. and it affects our ability to be productive and efficient. And so... You know, so on the on the indoor lighting side of things, there's a lot of science around how do we create kind of that controlled indoor egg type environment where people can get they can be the most productive and they can be we can mimic the sun in the same way that we mimic the sun for plant plant science and animal science. Well, it's funny as you're speaking because it lends itself well to this biohacking. And for the benefit of the listener, I'm showing these, uh, they're called Swannies. They're blue light blocking glasses that I typically wear during the day, but it's also because of like reducing the stress of the blue light spectrum. And then at night, there's actually another shade that's actually a little more orangey. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I mean, I, it just makes sense because you know anything we can do to optimize the growing environment for plants is, is obviously makes sense that we should be looking at optimizing the environment that we probably spend more of our time in now that we're probably more indoors now than we used to be. So it's, it's definitely fascinating. So that's, that's really interesting. And, and I'm sure for you as an entrepreneur and looking for opportunities, it's something that's tempting to look at. But I think that's the decision you'll have to make about when and if to apply resources to that endeavor. Yeah, I mean, for us, we look at, you know, as LED light costs come down, then there's going to be more opportunity for that. Just like, you know, when we when we launched Grow Film in 2016, it was a newer idea, but we weren't quite, you know, the market wasn't quite ready. But I think today the market is ready. And that's why we're seeing such um, explosive growth in the industry. Very cool. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you for taking the time to jump on this interview. Um, I was really excited to, to learn more about what's happening in the world of lighting and then to, to, to understand, you know, how someone who's coming into the vertical farming space and, and how you make a decision to become an interim CEO. So that was fascinating to learn about. So I'm wishing you a lot of luck, the, the work you're doing at, at Halux. And what's the best way for folks to, to learn more about the initiatives you guys have underway? Uh, well, they can go to our website at hiluxllc.com or visit us at the World Congress next week. Yes. Yeah, we'll make sure we have links to all the socials and the website, and uh, we'll be promoting the, the Congress as well for, for this episode. I think it still come out in time 
for the, the Congress. I look forward to, to listening to your presence. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, please visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes which strike your fancy. If you're enjoying the podcast, once again, leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP, and we'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Until we meet again for season two, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.